0: Shalom Mishpochah and welcome to this week's Kadima Talk. Now, I want to talk about divine calling here a little bit. And I've touched base on this before in other Kadima Talks, but I want to get a little more specific today and really focus upon this. And we're going to start in Leviticus 8. I'm going to read the chapter, so just be patient, but assess the foundation for where we're going today. Leviticus 8, starting in verse 1, Adonai said to Moshe, Take Aaron and his sons with him, the garments, the anointing oil, the bull for the sin offering, the two rams, and the basket of matzah, and assemble the entire community at the entrance of the tent of meeting. So I, I want to pause right here before I go any further. This is always important, that when there's a confirmation or ordination for ministry in service to God, this is done publicly before all the people. And so we know there's a call on, on Aaron's life and his sons. We, we know that God has said that you're going to be the priest to serve me, but this is done before the entire community to confirm this that all may know. So verse 4 of Leviticus 8, Moshe did as Adonai ordered him, and the community was assembled at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Moshe said to the community, this is what Adonai has ordered to be done. Moshe brought Aaron and his sons, washed them with water, put the tunic on him, wrapped a sash around him, clothed him with a robe, put the ritual vest on him, wrapped around him the decorated belt, and fastened the vest to him with it. So we see there there's specific garments that identify these as the uh, high priest before Adonai. Before they started this whole process, they performed a mikveh. I know this says washed with water, but this is actually an immersion of mikveh. So this is preparation for ministry and service for ministering in the presence of Adonai. Verse 8, he put the breastplate on him, and the breastplate he put the Urim and Tumen. Verse 9, he set the turban on his head, and on the front of the turban he fixed the gold plate, the holy ornament, as Adonai had ordered Moshe. Then Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and everything in it, thus consecrating them. Verse 11, he sprinkled some on the altar seven times, anointing the altar with all its utensils and the basin with its base to consecrate them. He poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. Moshe brought Aaron's sons, clothed them with tunics, wrapped sashes on them, and put headgear on them as Adonai had ordered Moshe. Then the young bull for the sin offering was brought. Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull for sin offering. This is shmecha. This is literally a transference that we're going to talk about later because this is important. It was done with the sacrifices, but it's also done when placing those in office for ministry into Adonai. Verse 15, after it had been slaughtered, Moshe took the blood, put it on the horns of the altar all the way around with his finger, thus purifying the altar. The remaining blood he poured out at the base of the altar and consecrated it to make atonement for it. Moshe took all the fat on the inner organs, the covering of the liver, the two kidneys, their fat, and made it go up in smoke on the altar. Verse 17, but the bull, its hide, its flesh, and its dung were taken outside the camp and burned up completely, as Adonai had ordered Moshe. Next, verse 18, the ram for the burnt offering was presented. Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram. And after it had been slaughtered, Moshe splashed the blood on all sides of the altar. Verse 20, when the ram had been cut up in pieces, Moshe made the head, the pieces, and the fat go up in smoke. When the inner organs and the lower parts of the leg had been washed with water, Moshe made the entire ram go up in smoke on the altar. It was a burnt offering giving a fragrant aroma, an offering made by fire to Adonai, as Adonai had ordered Moshe. Verse 22, then the other ram was presented, the ram of consecration. Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram. After it had been slaughtered, Moshe took some of the blood and put it on the tip of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Next, Aaron's sons were brought, and Moshe put some of the blood on the tips of their right ear, the thumbs of their right hands, and the big toes of their right feet. Then Moshe splashed the blood on all sides of the altar. He took the fat, the fat tail, all the fat covering the inner organs, the covering of the liver, the two kidneys with their fat, and the right thigh. From the basket of matzah that was before Adonai, he took one piece of matzah, one cake of oiled bread, and one wafer, and placed them on the fat and on the right thigh. Then he put it all in Aaron's hands and in the hands of his sons, and waved them as a wave offering before Adonai. Verse 28 Moshe took them out of their hands and made them go up in smoke on the altar on top of the burnt offering. They were a consecration offering, giving a fragrant aroma, an offering made by fire to Adonai. Verse 29, Moshe took the breast and waved it as a wave offering before Adonai. It was Moshe's portion of the ram of consecration, as Adonai had ordered Moshe. Moshe took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood in which was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron and his clothing and on his sons with him and their clothing and consecrated Aaron and his clothing together with his sons and their clothing. Verse 31, Moshe said to Aaron and his sons, Boil the meat at the door of the tent of meeting. Eat it there with the bread that is in the basket of consecration, as I ordered when I said that Aaron and his sons are to eat it. Verse 32 Whatever is left over of the meat and bread, you're to burn up completely. You're not to go out from the entrance to the tent of meeting for seven days, until the days of your consecration are over, since Adam and I will be consecrating you for seven days. He ordered done what has been done today in order to make atonement for you. You're to remain at the entrance to the tent of meeting day and night for seven days, thereby obeying what Adonai ordered done, so that you may not die, for this is what I was ordered. Verse 36 Aaron and his sons did all the things which Adonai ordered through Moshe. Seven is a supernatural number. And so we see this consecration period, seven days. Once all these implements were done, they had to stay at the entrance for seven days. And on the eighth, and seven is that supernatural number, it's the DNA of creation. And on the eighth day, eight representing Shemini, new beginnings, they could go in and begin the process of ministering to Adonai from among the people. This is a transition from the fire and the smoke up on Mount Sinai to now the presence of Adonai being among the people in the camp at the Mishkan. Aaron receives his ordination to the priesthood here in Leviticus 8. The people to already recognize him as a leader. If you recall with the golden calf incident, when Moshe's on the mountain, they come to him, and, uh, and they rip off their earrings and their nose rings, and, and Aaron says, out pops this calf, this, you know. So they had gone to him and recognized his leadership already, but now God is giving him his divine calling before all the people. Now we're making it official. The Lord instructs Aaron to wear certain garments and accessories as an outward symbol of an inward call. So it's just not what God placed upon Aaron's heart and what he called him to do. But now the, the vesture, the robes, the, the turban, it's all done because he's in the office now of high priest. For a godly leader, and this is critical, the call of God becomes a personal foundation for all that you do in the kingdom of God. It's a point of revelation. You don't go into a spiritual position without a divine calling. God's call is is the first step for anyone who desires a leadership position in the kingdom of God. Every call has two components. It's the inward draw of the person and the outward one. God's hand upon the person provides the inward component. Through it, the person recognizes that he or she uh, is being called to occupy some position of leadership. And listen, and, and everyone is called in the kingdom of God unto salvation through Messiah Yeshua. What I'm talking about is specifically for, the, for an office in ministry, of serving God at a congregation level or at some international ministry. Uh, there's many calls for people to work in the kingdom of God, for mission work overseas, to bring the good news to foreign nations. These are the kind of calls that I'm specifically talking about. And this outward component of this comes when others confirm that God's hand does indeed rest upon this person. Only God anoints a person to lead and minister. At best, organizations merely recognize and agree with this anointing. A sp- all spiritual authority, as Scripture record, comes from on high. It comes from Adonai, not from here on this earth. This divine call is specific to every believer who has a unique call or purpose in the kingdom of God. Ephesians one verse eleven says, "Also in union with Him, we were given an inheritance." we who were picked in advance according to the purpose of the one who affects everything in keeping with this decision of his will. So he picks people for these offices. Listen, Jeremiah didn't wake up one day and say, I'm going to be a prophet of the Lord. Isaiah didn't wake up one day. God specifically appoints and anoints and picks them in advance according to the purpose of his kingdom in Yeshua's name. Paul Shaul gives profound revelation and Shmicha to Timothy, who had a shepherd's calling. Now, we just shared a little bit of this uh, at our last Shabbat service, but this is what brought me to where we're at today, because this is so critical for divine callings. In 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7, he said, for this reason, this is Paul, Sha'ul, speaking to Timothy, Timothy, a, a young Jewish believer who had been mentored by Sha'ul, Shaul, Paul says, for this reason, I'm reminding you to fan the flame of God's gift. Now, supernaturally, this word, and we talked about this a couple of Kadim talks ago, chrisma. The Greek word here is chrisma, that messianic anointing from 1 John two twenty seven, And this is that believers have an anointing from the Holy One. And this is what we're talking about. This he Paul's saying, I I remind you to fan this charisma, this anointing from on high. It indicates that this anointing renders them holy, separating them to God, a special endowment. This passage teaches that the gift of the Holy Spirit is the all-efficient means of enabling believers to possess a knowledge of the truth and to lead in the kingdom of God. Paul says, fan that flame, fan that chrisma, that messianic anointing, Get this, which you receive through shmecha from me, through ordination from me. For God gave us a spirit who produces not timidity, but power, love, and self discipline. Shmecha, which we read in Leviticus 8, if you notice, Aaron and his sons literally put their hands on the animal that was being sacrificed. Shmecha is what we do for ordination, it's a laying on of hands, but this is a much more complex term. Biblical leaders are ordained. Through Shmecha. In the Hebrew, it literally means to feel your hand, to to transfer something from me to you. And something is spiritually passed from one to another. Now, this could be good and bad, and, and I'll get to this in a second. Shmecha originated in the sacrifices at the temple, as we just read, which incorporated the dedication of the animal, sacrifice on the altar. It was a mandatory physical act whenever sacrifices were offered by individuals. To perform the act of shmecha, as we just read Leviticus 8, the owner placed both of his hands with all of his might between the horns of the animal immediately before it was sacrificed. This starts way back in Leviticus 1 verse 4, says he is to lay his hands on the head of the burnt offering so that it could be accepted on behalf to make atonement for him. Shmechah performed with bare hands, so that nothing might interpose between them and the head of that beast. There was a physical transference of the sinful act from that person to the animal. In the same way, this messianic anointing, this Christmas Shaul had, was literally transferred to Timothy. This is the biblical way. In 1 Timothy 5, Shaul, Paul warns Timothy not to be hasty, to be careful in laying on of hands, of granting shmicha, and ordaining leaders, in approving someone for ministry or office in the ministry. In the congregation, we've had a house rule now for 15 years that only our people who are appointed to be the, the prayer people at altar calls are those who can lay hands on other people in the congregation. And this is why, because they're trusted, They're tested, and we know who they are, and we know their witness and their testimony. When people come in and randomly start laying on of hands to other people in the congregation, and if we don't know them, listen, maybe something's wrong with them. Maybe they're bipolar. Maybe they're a prostitute. Maybe they're a witch. And if they come in and lay hands on you, that could be passed to you. I always tell the young pregnant women in the congregation, strangers come up and, oh, can I touch your belly? And the answer is always no. Can I touch your baby? No. Because if you don't know them, you don't know what's being transferred in the merest of touch. This is so critical. This is why he's warning him not to be hasty in granting shmecha. This is critical. As we move on in this, all biblical leaders were ordained before they assumed their leadership rules. Scripture relates that. Moshe ordained Joshua, Yehoshua, by placing his hands on him, literally transferring a portion of his spirit to Yehoshua. This is in Numbers 27, Deuteronomy 34. Moses also ordained the 70 elders. Remember, we talked about this a couple of Kadima talks ago, about empowering leaders to delegate. In that ordination of that 70 to help him adjudicate the cases and assisted him in governing the people, this is in Numbers 11 uh, and Numbers 24 and 25, he literally granted Shmecha, he laid his hands on him, and the elders ordained by Moshe ordained their successors, who in turn ordained others, so that there existed an unbroken chain of ordination from Moses down to the time of the second temple when Yeshua was dedicated to the temple, and the priest laid his hands Upon him and dedicated him on the eighth day unto the Lord. This is really powerful. So, what we are witnessing here in Timothy is the passing of the baton, Shaul's ministry, his Christmas, his messianic anointing to Timothy, Lador vador, from generation to generation. Shaul knows his days are numbered. And in those days, it was radically tumultuous and chaotic, just like the days we're living in today. This is why it's so prevalent and it relates to us so profoundly. The times Shaol and Timothy lived in were difficult to say the least, yet the kingdom, the good news, the, this newly birthed Messianic movement was thriving and flourishing to ensure the Messianic movement's future success Shaul Paul granted Timothy shmecha, ordaining, transferring his messianic anointing, his charisma to Timothy. And there's signs that accompany a person's divine call when a person comes into an office of ministry or leadership. In Romans 1, and again, we're dealing with Paul in this, verses 14 through 16, one of my favorite scriptures, Shaul said, for I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and uneducated alike. So I'm eager, verse 15, to come to you in Rome to preach the good news. Verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of this good news about Messiah Yeshua, for it is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. So there's a few specific points here that Shaul Paul is bringing out. He states, I'm eager. He had a zeal, he had a drive, he had a passion. There was urgency in him to spread the good news, to reach people, to go to the four corners of the earth, to the educated and uneducated alike, to the civilized, the uncivilized. He wanted everyone to know the good news of Messiah Yeshua. He was eager. Number two, he says, I am obligated. He understood the calling upon his life from his road to Damascus experience. In Acts 9, 15 When when the Lord said to him, to the the guy who was going to go, open his eyes, he said, go because this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name to the goyim, even to their kings and to the sons of Israel as well. Paul understood. He had this obligation. He was called to do this supernaturally in his road to Damascus encounter in Acts chapter nine. Third, he said, I'm not ashamed. Though Messianics were being persecuted, they were scorned by the non-believing Jewish community. Shaul boldly states that he's not ashamed of the good news. It's the power of salvation for both Jew and Gentile alike. He had a strong conviction to do what others wouldn't, to go to places where others wouldn't, and to be bold and go forth in power and in truth. This same Paul, the same Shaul, recognized Timothy's divine calling to be a shepherd. True ordination, true shmicha, does not precede ministry. Let me say that again. True ordination, true shmicha, does not precede ministry. It follows it. Only after a person exercises obvious spiritual influence, leadership qualities, enabled by the Holy Spirit, is that individual ready to be ordained by humans. God calls, and the people confirm the call through ordination. You know, Barb and I had been leading Congregation Zion Sake here for three years before we became involved with the MJAA and the IMCS, at which time I enrolled into the year yeshiva. I was ordained in 2006 after completing two years of yeshiva, six years after starting Congregation Zion Sake. The work was already in place, the shmicha, the ordination, followed.